Gospel reading for this morning is taken from Luke's Gospel, the ninth chapter, beginning at the 28th verse. It's the story of Jesus' transfiguration. And Luke wrote, Now about eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered, and his clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep. But when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. And as the men were parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is so good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah, not knowing what he had said. And as he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent and told no one in those days anything of what they had just seen. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? O Lord, you have put your wonderful hope in us, born of the Spirit of Jesus. And this hope empowers us to be your servants in this world, bringing light to darkness, hope into despair, warmth into coldness, friendship into loneliness, food into hunger, care into trouble. Yours is the light that guides us and the voice that we follow. So we pray that you would open up your heavens and send your spirit upon us. May those without hope be encouraged and those who are sad be given new joy. Open our ears our minds, and our hearts to your word for us this day. Amen. Did you ever stop to consider what a surprising amount of emphasis we seem to stack up on first impressions? And I really don't think we can help ourselves. I believe that it's really part of human nature. Now the first impression, it may be something based on something as small as a name or something about how someone or something looks. Maybe I've not shaved today or my shoes aren't quite spick and span clean. And we know that every so often, first impressions, they just don't hold true. The story in the paper doesn't really affect reality, or a book's content doesn't quite match up with the cover. Well, the two readings for this morning 
pick up on the importance of things that are beyond our first impressions. They are beyond our sight. They speak to the existence and reality of something more than what we usually see. A reality of the invisible, if you will. A country, you might say, just as real as the one that we see and experience with our usual senses. So this morning, Jesus goes up a mountain, away and apart from all the crowds that have been following him for bread and healing and whatever. And he's even leaving behind nine out of the twelve disciples, taking with him only those three who really seem to be in on everything. And there on the mountaintop, Jesus talks with Moses and Elijah, the two greatest figures from the history of the covenant people. Moses, the servant that God chose to bring God's people out of Egypt, the one God revealed God's covenant through, the one God told God's name. The Old Testament even goes so far as to say that God spoke to Moses face to face as one would speak with a friend. And here once again, Moses is seen in the presence of the glory of God. And the other, of course, is Elijah, the greatest prophet, the one who never died but was taken up by God into heaven. Elijah was the one that the Jews of Jesus' time and even many now believed must come again before the Messiah would come. And even today, in Jewish households around the world, there is a place set at the Passover table for Elijah. And they talk about what Luke calls Jesus' exodus, his departure, his passion, his death and resurrection. Is it any wonder that these three disciples are dazed and confused by what happens on that mountain? the teacher, friend, and prophet, that they are only now just beginning to understand, undergoes this miraculous transformation, a change to his face, a change to his clothing, a shining moment. And Jewish readers would probably think right away about how angels were said to appear. In that brief time up on the mountain, they see Jesus glowing with the full and unhidden glory of God. And we can affirm once again this day that God is always present in creation and humanity. But when God wants to bring a special illumination to an event, a message or a messenger, these are the things that put your little antennas up when you read scripture, God never hesitates to turn on a light. And the disciples see not only Jesus in all of his splendor, but they also see the two others. They come to stand and talk in the presence of Jesus revealed in his full glory. The bringer of the old covenant meeting with the bringer of the new. The herald of the coming of God's chosen one meeting him there on the mountain. And if that's not enough for the sleepy disciples, the enveloping cloud, the symbol and reality of God's presence just comes in and enfolds them all just like Moses at Mount Sinai. The presence and the fullness of God, and then the very voice of God. This is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. 
And to all appearances, both before and after, this was just another mountain. It's no different from any other. It's part of the created order, always there. But suddenly, in the middle of our ordinary world, in the presence of Jesus, everything changed. Heaven touched earth, and for just a short time, the glory of God was visible. So you dispose, you, do you suppose heaven descended, or do you think the mountain got lifted up? I really think that it was just the curtain between the two realities was opened a bit, and you got a glimpse into the heavenly. Because you see, and you will know this in your own life, it isn't the touching place that's only there for a short time. It's the visibility. So as an example, the fullness of our church is never really absent. It doesn't cease to exist when you pass out of sight of the steeple or drive out of town. You just can't see it. And neither does the presence of the spiritual world ever really become absent. We just don't see it. We don't often go looking for it. And that's kind of sad. The saddest thing is that we so often don't remember the closeness of the spiritual world. All of the daily stresses of living, all the burdens that we carry, they hide it. They weigh us down. And we forget. We forget that there are things beyond our immediate sight. But the glorious presence of God has not left Now, we might not be privileged enough to have many of those mountaintop moments, but I believe that we are called to remember them and seek them out. So what are the sounds of heaven carried on the wind? What are the glimpses that you get through the curtain? One challenge is to simply keep our ears and our eyes open, the ears of faith to hear what God is up to, the eyes of faith to look for the places where God is indeed at work. And sometimes it's as easy as remembering God's presence and nature in our daily lives. The events of the transfiguration, the shining, the holy mountaintop, they follow directly from Peter's recognition of Jesus as the Christ in Luke's gospel. He makes a statement of faith based on how he has already seen God at work and after which he goes on to see so much more. And maybe it is only a reminder that so often what we see depends on what we believe, not the other way around. So the reading from Exodus this morning with Jenny read reminds us how, according to the scripture, the face of Moses shone with the glory of God after their conversations. Moses displayed something of the glory and the awesome power of God, so much so that people became frightened of him. And the touch of God can still inspire awe and fear, so much so that Moses had to hide it under normal circumstances except when speaking the words of God, so to speak. And the good news that Jesus brought, the relationship that we can have with God through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus and the gift of the Holy Spirit, 
is something far greater than that which was offered through Moses. And Paul interprets all of it by writing this, Therefore, since we have such hope, we are very bold. The great blessing and benefit and grace shown to us in Jesus Christ should make us bold. We have every reason to be proud and grateful for all the things that God has already done for us and for the difference God wishes to make in the lives of other people. You may, however, feel very inadequate in all of this. How can I make such a difference when I don't see clearly myself? How can I be bold when I have a hard time telling anyone? Well, you know, it's all well and good to talk about Moses who was able to talk to God face to face and whose face shone with the glory of God. But really, what help is that to me? Well, I'm here to tell you this morning more than you think. And here's the really big stuff in this shining business this morning. Each and every one of us who loves and worships God through Jesus Christ is already showing God's glory. We, with unveiled faces, all reflect the Lord's glory and are still being transformed into his glory. Now, whether you recognize it or not, even whether you dare to believe it or not, you and I are already reflecting God's glory to all those we meet simply by being faithful. And however weak or strong we think our faith may be, we are already beacons of God's glory. All of this without needing to climb a mountain. One thing more. I think it is very difficult to notice changes in ourselves or those close to us sometimes. For example, say your partner is on a diet. Because you see them all the time, you find it hard to notice the gradual change. But ask someone who hasn't seen them for a while, and they'll notice. For most of us, changes that God brings about in our lives, I think, are a lot like that, too. We may miss them, but others won't. As our faith grows and matures, the glory of God that we reflect shines even brighter. And folks, if that doesn't help us to be bold, then nothing will. God is at work even if so often it seems hidden by the mundane events of our everyday lives. And maybe more than ever before, we seem to be living in a culture that doesn't really see Jesus. They may be willing to see him as a little baby Jesus lying in a manger, Jesus is a good man, perhaps, but very little anymore about Jesus as Savior, Son of God, Messiah. I believe it is our call to show the light of Jesus, the very glory of God, to those who are around us, so that we can help to pull the curtain back a bit in our everyday world, to reveal the world of the Spirit, and to allow those we walk the roads of life with to experience the love, grace, and forgiveness of God through Jesus Christ. 
May it be so for all of us.